When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Last week, we discussed how torn Baron was after recovering from the arrow wound he took trying to protect Luthien. How torn he was about the fact that he knew that no matter what he did, she was dead set on going with him. There, there was nothing he could do to convince her not to risk everything for him. For as much as he loved her, she returned the same love. And, and I'm not just talking here about affection. There are different types of love, right? And commonly, we talk about it in circles about how in different languages, like ancient Greek or Latin, there are words that were used that are more nuanced than the simple word love is in English. There's romantic love, and yeah, they had romantic love, of course. There's brotherly love, like the love you would find between Frodo and Sam, going to the ends of the earth together and standing there with a friend. But then there's a type of love where you act on it. It is shown rather than felt. And they possessed this as well. And Baron decides that because he cannot convince Luthien not to follow him to the most dangerous place in the world, effectively the gates of hell, he sets off on his own. And that's where we are today, riding along through the fields north of Doriath, And in the Silmarillion, it explains the transition here from one scene to another fairly simply. Quote, He rode northward again with all speed to the pass of Sirion, and coming to the skirts of Tarnufuin, he looked out across the waste of Anfaglith and saw afar the peaks of Thangorodrim. The thousand-foot peaks of the most dangerous place in the world. And of course, in this moment, he sees before him what he believes is his doom. He's all alone, and literally all alone. He tells Karufin's horse, who he still has, to go to feed on the grasses 
leave this terrible place. And he goes by himself the rest of the way, or at least he attempts to. And in one last moment before he continues on the path, he sings a song. One last lament for all the good things in the world, because he knows there's only darkness before him. And it goes something like this, because in the Silmarillion, we were told it contains these words, but there's probably more. Farewell, sweet earth and northern sky, forever blessed since here did lie, and here the lissom limbs did run beneath the moon, beneath the sun, Luthien to Nuviel, more fair than mortal tongue can tell. Though all to ruin fell the world and were dissolved, and backwards hurled unmade into the old abyss, yet were its making good for this the dusk, the dawn, the earth, the sea that Luthien for a time should be. So we get this moment here of beautiful sadness, a sense that he's lamenting the terrible things that he's going to have to go through the, his lot in life. Let's just call it that his lot in life. And yet it might all be worth it to have simply spent a little bit of time with Luthien to know that in this terrible world, with all of its dangers and darkness and sadness, that something so bright could have existed at all. And somebody like him would be blessed enough to have at least spent a little bit of time with her. There's a humility here. You can hear it in the the verses, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's a poem. It's a, it's a poem in the form of something you would sing, um, a song, I guess <laughs> that's what that's called. Uh, but to a greater point here, we have a heroic individual who is not boasting, who is not deserving of everything that comes his way, who's humble and sad this is something that in today's world, many people would say is not representative of masculinity or something like that. Is it? Or is this somebody who's genuinely truthful to themselves, who's going to the ends of the world and surmounting or at least attempting to surmount all barriers in his way because of somebody that he loves and in doing that, feels like he's probably not going to make it, but at least in the terrible situation that he's in, he had the brief moment to witness something so beautiful, to be with somebody so amazing. There's nothing unmasculine about this. This is powerful because he understands the nature of things. He has both of his feet in reality here, and he's going to do what he set out to do because he's an honorable person. There's nothing 
wrong with this? And so in a very movie-like scene, you have this moment where Baron is lamenting and singing. He doesn't care who hears him. He knows that he's going to his doom. And somehow, Luthien hears him. She has been riding on Juan's back in order to find him. We're not given the details, but Juan at some point, who we know doesn't hit it off with his master anymore because he knows his master's a jerk, decides to leave him and heads back to Luthien. And Luthien is so honored with the fact that Juan would let her ride him like a steed one more time. And we're told here that he sang aloud, Baron, caring not what ear should overhear him, for he was desperate and looked for no escape. But Luthien heard his song, and she sang in answer as she came through the woods unlooked for, like in a movie scene. Now, we have an interesting situation here. They have been looking for him for a, a time, and they've also been prepared for what's about to happen. We're told that Good old Juan, the goodest boy in all the land, is uh, obviously a very smart creature. He's a very powerful creature. He's intelligent. And he has been pondering, and we're told pondering in his heart, what counsel he could devise for the lightening of the peril of these two whom he loved. And I want to point out here the word peril. Heroes go into peril. Villains do not. Tolkien uses this word specifically in many places. Gandalf speaks of peril all the time. Aragorn speaks of peril. In this situation, they are in peril. In the Rings of Power, there's a conversation between the stranger, the meteor man, and Nori about the word peril. Interesting. So, Huan comes up with a plan. He takes them past Sauron's island, the very island where he killed Drogluin, the lord of the werewolves. And we're also told that there was a bat that was a, a fell bat, a bat fell. It's uh, words that describe basically a giant bat form vampire-like creature named Thurlingwithil. Yeah, Thurlingwithil. Say that ten times fast. And they take their skins and wear them like a costume. Huan takes on the shape of Drogluin. He looks like a werewolf. And Luthien, the wings of this bat creature. The text here is interesting. It says, She was a messenger of Sauron, talking about Thurlingwithil, and was wont to fly in vampire's form to Angband, and her great fingered wings were barbed at each point's end, or each joint's end, with an iron claw. Clad in these dreadful garments, Huan and Luthien ran through Tarnufuin, and all things fled before them. They thought they, they were terrible, terrible things, and so, of course, all the fair things still in the land ran away. Now, Baron is very confused by this. This is a dreadful sight. He sings out, and then he hears Luthien's voice 
and now coming toward him is a werewolf and a bat creature. <laughs> and he's like, what? what is even going on here? We're told Baron seeing their approach was dismayed and he wondered for he had heard the voice of Tenuvial. And he thought it now a phantom for his ensnaring. Was this some enchantment? Were they echoing her voice using some sort of magic in order to draw him closer? But they halted and cast aside their disguise. And Luthien ran toward him. And in this moment, Baron is both glad that he does not have to fight a werebeast and a, a bat creature. But he's also now concerned again because Luthien shows back up again. He's been trying to leave her behind in order to keep her safe. And he tells her, thrice now, I curse my oath to Thingle, and I would that he had slain me in Menegroth rather than I should bring you under the shadow of Morgoth. And then we get the second time Huan speaks ever ever in the history of anything. Remember, Huan is given three opportunities. He's he's extremely powerful. He's very intelligent. He's the bestest of boys, but he's only given three opportunities to speak by the Valor. The Valor move in strange ways. Who knows, right? So the second speech, we're told then for the second time, Huan spoke with words and he counseled Baron saying, and he speaks for a little bit here. He says, from the shadow of death, you can no longer save Luthien, for by her love, she is now subject to it. He's basically just telling him what he should already know. Like, listen, dude, you're not going to get rid of her. She is caught up in this just like you are. And so she's going to do what she's going to do, right? Like, move on, buddy. <laughs> and then he goes on and says, you can turn from your fate and lead her into exile, seeking peace in vain while your life lasts. But if you will not deny your doom, then either Luthien, being forsaken, must assuredly die alone, or she must, with you, challenge the fate that lies before you. Hopeless, yet not certain. Further counsel I cannot give, nor may I go further on your road, for some who knows why reason. These things happen in mythology a lot. You read through these old stories and oftentimes we don't get the reason. The author didn't really need to give us a reason. They're just like, and then Huan couldn't go any further. So he left. It's, it's one of those kinds of moments, right? But my heart forebodes that what you find at the gate, I shall myself see. All else is dark to me. Yet it may be that our three paths lead back to Doriath. And we may meet before the end. Cryptic messages here, right? This is one of those moments where Huan becomes the most wise of the group that's here and bestows foreshadowing on the group, right? This is one of those things that Gandalf does all the time, where he tells us some sort of riddle or some sort of vague message about the way the future might unfold. And... We just have to go, okay, <laughs> all right, well, I guess we'll see if this comes to pass or not, right? And often it does because the words are actual foreshadowings. And sometimes, like I've discussed before, Tolkien tells us the end of the story before we actually get to, to the end of the story, just like what happens in a lot of mythological works. And in this situation, you have a very interesting detail. 
what you will find at the gate I myself see, or, or I shall myself see. But all else is dark to me. But maybe we'll all meet later. Well, I guess we just have to find out if that happens. So Baron knows Huan by now and has seen and heard about the things Huan has done, knows that he is a very, very powerful ally, sensed by the Valar. He's the bestest of boys. So Baron is convinced. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's thinking here, I'm not getting rid of Luthien. I'm not going to be able to send her back. She's not going to do it. Huan is right. And unfortunately, this very powerful dog beast thing isn't going to help us fight our way through. So we're just going to have to do whatever we can. And so he and Luthien take on the disguises. This time Baron puts on Drogluin's werewolf hide and Luthien puts on the felled wings of Thurlinguithil. And this is interesting. We get a detail here. Baron became in all things like a werewolf to look upon. He looks exactly like a werewolf, except save that in his eyes, there shone a spirit grim indeed, but clean. And horror was in his glance as he saw upon his flank, a bat like creature clinging with creased wings. And then get this. Then howling under the moon, he leapt down the hill. He's like leaping down the hill like a werewolf. And the bat wheeled and flittered above him. Luthien is using the wings of this dead bat carcass that she is now disguised in to fly in the sky above him. How freaking awesome is this image? This would never work on a TV show or a movie because people would be like, oh, give me a break. She can actually use that thing to fly. Yes, she freaking can. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. Thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. You guys are the best. This is the chance I get every week to shout you guys out and tell you how awesome you are. We have a few new patrons this last week. We have Sam E, Timothy W, Yeti-san, and Eden B. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for your support. I hope you guys are enjoying the stack at this point of bonus episodes and the ad free episodes and, and all of that stuff, because uh, you're all signed up on the the second tier, which gets you all of the bonus episodes. So every week I do bonus episodes, as I've mentioned before. But at this point, if you are new to the show and you want to get a whole bunch of extra content, then signing up on the Patreon will do that for you. And in fact, then you'll continue to get more bonus content on each new week. So if you're looking for more don't hesitate. You don't have to be caught up to like whatever the most recent episode is. A lot of people will wait to sign up to do that. You can actually get stuff now. So uh, feel free to do that if that's what you're interested in. Also, our total is now up to 88 patrons. Guys, you guys are amazing. Thank you so very much. And we've got some uh, VIP patrons to shout out. We have Brad C, Brandy D, Chris D, Esoteric Rage, and Larry. Thank you so much to all of you for your support. And we've got some new uh, reviews to read out. So here, let's let's just dig in. This one comes from Brad Mossing in the United States, who writes world building five stars. I've tried reading The Hobbit, but I don't like the writing style. This podcast does a great job making the legendary world building accessible. Well, thanks. I'm glad I'm glad this is doing it for you. Then we have Lizard K 101 in Great Britain. That last one was from the US. This is from Great Britain who uh, Lizard K writes good podcast. Five stars. Nice to hear someone talk about something that they very clearly have connection with and know the detail of seems a real passion project. I don't know what, what gave it away. Uh yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, thanks for taking the time to, to leave that one. And then we've got one from It's a Me, Maria, not Mario, Maria in the US. He writes in depth, told well, and imaginative. Five stars. I love this podcast. I have recently gotten back into the Lord of the Rings world. We all know why. And I wanted to dive deeper into the world outside of rereading the books as audiobooks, which I highly recommend. Robots does a wonderful job explaining the events that made Middle Earth and all surrounding lands what they are in the Third Age and in a highly engaging way that is easy to follow and understand. There are a lot of names and events to keep track of, which is challenging. Yes, it absolutely is. But Robots does it well. Thank you. You're welcome. That's awesome. Thank you to all three of you guys for leaving new uh, reviews and ratings. And um, if you are interested in helping to support the show, that's one way you can do it. It's really easy. Just log into Apple Podcasts, even if you don't listen on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Apple account, you can just look it up online. Leave a five star rating, leave some text in there in the future, and I will read it out. Or if you're listening on Spotify, just scroll to the very top and click the little star button there and give me five stars. That helps out a ton as well. Or tell your friends and family or any of that stuff. All of that is extremely helpful in getting this show out to more people. And um, it seems that you guys like it. So shouldn't be a hard sell. <laughs> I appreciate your help with that. All right. We've got more to talk about because this episode 
gets, uh, gets kind of dark. We're going to dark places, so hang tight. So with Baron convinced and Luthien dressed up like a bat and flying around in the air, they make their way to Angband, to the gates of Angband. And here, I'm going to read you some more passages here because Tolkien's words, so good. We've talked about this before. It says, they passed through all perils. We're given kind of this like speed up, right? Like this fast forward to when they get to this place. Until they came with the dust of their long and weary road upon them to the drear dale that lay before the gates of Angband. This description is like hell. Black chasms opened beside the road, whence forms of the wreathing serpents issued. Snakes are coming out of the black chasms beside the roadway to the gates. On either hand, the cliffs stood as embattled walls, and upon them sat carrion fell, crying with fell voices, waiting to pick anything's bones that happened to die here. Before them was the impregnable gate, an arch wide and dark at the foot of the mountain, Remember, this fortress is a mountain. It is built into a mountain. And on top of that, one of the largest mountains in the world. Above it reared a thousand feet of precipice. Have you looked up at a thousand feet above you before? Do you live somewhere where there are mountains and peaks and things like that? I don't. I live in Florida. Our biggest mountain is like a 30 foot hill. Like, <laughs> that's not something I live near, but I've been close to mountains before. Can you imagine standing underneath a thousand foot precipice? And that's the walls and the gateway into a fortress. It goes on. There, dismay took them. And I imagine it would you too. <laughs> imagine just being in this situation. For at the gate was a guard of whom no tidings had yet gone forth. A creature that nobody has heard about, or at least none of the good peoples of Middle-earth even knew existed, and were given a description and a reason why this creature is here. Rumor of he knew not what designs abroad among the princes of the elves, had come to Morgoth. This is a strange sentence. The syntax here is odd, but it, the rumor of he knew not, the he in this is Morgoth. And ever down the aisles of the forest was heard the baying of Huan. This is the rumor. Morgoth finds out about Huan, the great hound of war, whom long ago the valor unleashed. So Mog Morgoth in this situation we're finding out has been aware of Huan for a lot longer than we would expect a lot longer than the recent events of Huan attacking or Huan with Luthien attacking Sauron's fortress and the battle that ensued there. Morgoth has known about him a lot longer. 
and has been preparing a counter to Huan. Then Morgoth recalled the doom of Huan, and he chose one from among the whelps of the race of Droglin, and he fed him with his own hand upon living flesh and put his power upon him. A few things to note here. First of all, Morgoth spent time in Valinor, remember this. So Morgoth may have known who Huan was, and Morgoth may have spent some time with Mandos and some other people over people or Valar personalities over in Valar in Valinor <laughs> words. And during this time had learned about the doom, the future predicted path of what would happen with Huan. And so he prepares by taking one of these were creatures, one of these werewolf babies of Drogluin, I guess you call it, and feeding it living flesh. And then and this is the other thing that Morgoth does, putting his power upon him. One of the most interesting things, and I believe I've mentioned this on a previous episode, when you think about Sauron and the ring of power, Sauron only puts his power into that ring. He corrupts and does other things and, and mobilizes and reinforces and builds and crafts and does things like that. But his own power, he keeps in himself and he only ever shares it into the ring. Morgoth, on the other hand, since the beginning of time, has been inserting his power into the world itself, into the very foundations of the world, and into creatures like this monster thing, which we're about to find out what it is. It goes on. Swiftly, the wolf grew until he could creep into no den, but lay huge and hungry before the feet of Morgoth. He made the thing giant. We've got like, <laughs> who's the red dog? Clifford. We've got like a Clifford scenario, except that instead of pouring love into a little pup and it got real big, he poured living flesh and dark power. <laughs> it goes on. There the fire and anguish of hell entered into him and he became filled with a devouring spirit, tormented, terrible and strong and then we get a name Karkaroth the Red Maw he is named in the tales of those days and Anflungler the Jaws of Thirst I'm sorry I can't not smile I'm sure you can hear it in my voice when I say Anflogler Anfogler Anfogler I think we'll just go with that pronunciation And Morgoth set him to lie unsleeping Before the doors of Angband Lest Huan come His one job We'll just go with Karkaroth's Karkaroth's one job Was to Be gigantic and menacing And dangerous in order to Fight against Huan And keep Huan out of Angban because Morgoth knew how powerful Huan actually is. Think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just like this crazy giant wolf monster thing hanging out here. And that is why Baron and Luthien are dismayed. They come across not only this terrible situation with snakes crawling around and carrion birds and, and thousand foot cliffs and a giant gate. And in front of it is this dog. Does this sound similar to the gates of mm, Hades 
and a three-headed Cerberus? Kind of similar, right? So, while they're approaching, we're told that Karkaroth sees them from far away. And is curious. Now, remember, they're still in the guise of, of a wolf and a bat. But Karkaroth feels like there's something something wrong here. For news had long been brought to Angband that Drogloon was dead. He recognizes the wolf corpse that Baron is wearing as basically his sire. And that that he shouldn't be alive. This is a problem here. So when they approach, he denies them entry. And in the scene that I picture, like the two of them standing there in their like Halloween costumes, while this giant dog paces around them sniffing, he can tell, he can tell that there's something wrong, scenting something strange in the air about them. It occurs to Baron and Luthien that they are caught here, that this is a dangerous situation and something needs to happen. And so it does. But suddenly some power descended from of old, from divine race, possessed Luthien. And casting back her foul raiment, she stood forth, small before the might of Karkaroth, but radiant and terrible. This should give you echoes of Galadriel when... Frodo offers her the ring. Beautiful and terrible. This is a powerful scene. She reveals herself and she's tiny compared to Karkaroth, but yet powerful, radiant, and terrible. Lifting up her hand, she commanded him to sleep, saying, Oh, woe-begotten spirit, fall now into dark oblivion and forget for a while the dreadful doom of life wow and karkaroth was felled as though lightning had smitten him it's like she pulls from him the very darkness the very dark spirit that inhabited him that turned him into the monster that he was because it's Piteous. It's maybe that same feeling of pity that Gandalf had for Gollum. Think about that. It's not Gollum's fault that he was corrupted. It's not this poor wolf's fault that he was corrupted. It's a very similar kind of thing. And then we're told one more thing. Then Baron and Luthien went through the gate and down the labyrinthine stairs, and together wrought the greatest deed that has been dared by elves or men. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. 
Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.